0: The Duke sat up in bed, surveying the dark room to which his eyes had adjusted, lit only by the moon. The long, white silk curtains hung heavily as they swayed in the steady pulse of the cool, dank autumn air. A few short bursts of insect activity hummed down in the forest below the castle, but were drowned out by the wind and waves of the small lake beyond. A cold front was moving in. The Bavarian summer was now only a memory. The young duke stayed his head, moving only his eyes to survey the beautiful stone room in the near darkness. White candles along the far wall stood out, reflecting the glorious moon that he could not otherwise see. The carpet appeared as a darker patch of gray on the floor, like an ominous pool of tar or a bottomless pit. The duke rose from his bed to place his veiny feet on the cold stone, The Duchess should have been up to bed by now, having wished the dinner guests a good night and having seen them to the stables. Robing himself, he began taking steps toward the door. Each new patch of stone seemed colder than the last. He paused for a moment at the median of the room to allow his eyes to adjust to the darkness of the side that saw no moonlight, and from the small buffet beside the heavy, darkwood door, he plucked a lamp and lit the little fuse inside it. As the Duke pulled open the door, the warm little orange light revealed the intricate pattern that had been curved into its face, crawling vines along the frame that spiraled into the center to bear thorns, and at the bottom of the door, beneath the curved roots of the vines, the dull reflection illuminated the words, From dawn till diminish, from death until waking. The hollow in the words lingered in his mind, casting him to oblivion and drawing him back, "'tucking him into a state of discomfort. "'They had been on the door since the colossal stone building's construction, "'long before it came to his father or his grandfather before him. "'As he stepped onto the soft mahogany carpet of the hallway "'and slowly closed the door behind him, he smiled. "'The warmth of his own foot pushed against itself by the carpet was soothing. "'There was nothing to the right but the end of the carpet "'and a plain stone wall bearing a single torch.' The Duke felt it necessary to check the unused corner every time he left his room. However, he kept meaning to put a cabinet or buffet or something there, but never got around to it. The void of it just seemed off, as he always had his back to it as he left his room. The torch flicked softly in the breeze the shutting door cast about. Pacing softly down the hall, the Duke held his head high, feeling the air's attempt to sway him and the weight of invisible stardust on his eyes. The void of the vaulted ceilings and even the stones of the old building itself called to him. The whole earth was still, but scheming, rife with a malevolent mischief. The bathing room stared blankly back at him through its open door at the hall's end, its white marble floor echoing the light song of the shifting moon to hollow his haunted heart once more. He turned to the right and stepped carefully over the cold stone gap between the carpets belonging to the hallway and the spiral staircase the walls of the staircase were adorned with paintings the first portraits of his father and mother looking surly and stern sorrowfully distant and yet uncomfortably present as they peered not at him but beyond him with their deep-set eyes in his age the young duke's father had lost his life to a sickness that came upon him suddenly a terrible fever that made him call out in the night only to be silenced forever when first light came the heavy air had owned him that day too Crushing down on the adolescent Duke and squeezing the feeling out of him as his mother sobbed the background noise to the silent buzz of space. The Duke pushed away his memories again, refusing to look at any of the paintings of farms or of his other ancestors, and instead peered over the cold brass railing to view the bottom of the stairs. On the first floor, a crude black figure darted out of view. The Duke stopped, then slowly advanced almost certainly one of the cats, he thought to himself. He knew he had made it out of the spire when he saw a black iron gate a short flight of steps ahead. The fifth floor was also quite small, however, and housed only the library. The duke examined the latch and saw that it was lifted, just resting against its socket. A draft came down the short stone hallway as the gate squealed open. A chill crept up his back. He shivered. Peering ahead, he saw that the large wooden iron door to the library was open a crack. He followed the glowing river of orange torchlight reflected off the stone path and gently pushed the door open. Are you in here, my love? The Duke called into the darkness. There was no response, and when his voice was finished bouncing off the walls the room returned to its hollow, ambient buzz. The Duke's eyes adjusted to the blackness and gazed upon the library. The beautiful, thick, dark cherry wood shelves housing his entire collection of books containing a vast amount of knowledge that he could privately absorb without anyone knowing or witnessing. A perfect little hideaway, where he did not allow even the servants to come. The Duke stepped into the room, leaving the door open to let more light in, and looked upon the wall of scrolls before pacing across the ends of the shelves. Thousands of years of history were contained within these tomes. As well as philosophy, even alchemy and the science that enthralled him, even when he could not understand it. The Duke walked up to his desk, where a book sat open. It was his copy of Germania by the Roman historian Tacitus, which he had purchased from a travelling Swiss merchant only a week ago. The book had been written about twelve hundred years ago and outlined the way of life of the Germanic tribes living on the fringe of the Roman Empire. Still open on the table was the last page of the chapter he had finished reading laws and customs. He could recall reading about one practice where slaves who had dishonored the pagan goddess of fertility, Nerthus, by washing her idol, were ritually drowned in peat bogs. There, at the bottom of the bog, their bodies would not rot but mummify, as the elements could not reach them. A faint scream rang in his ears as if echoing up from the foundations of the building through the tunnels of the distant past. The duke shuddered again, excited and disgusted by the knowledge. There was a peat bog just beyond the little graveyard down the dirt road from his castle, and a kilometer into the forest, and the idea that at its bottom there lay corpses of his ancient ancestors was both perverse and fascinating. A clarion wind blew past the Duke's ear and he jumped, whirling around to see a window open on the other side of the room. So, that was the source of the draft, he thought to himself, crossing the room to close it. He peered out the window to see if he could spot the stables, but the fog on the ground was too thick. It only reflected the moon. The window was closed and the latch snapped on tight. I suppose I should check the dining room once more before I check the stables, although I can't think she would have elected to help the servants clean up after dinner, the duke thought to himself, once again taking up the search for his wife. He firmly closed the wood doors of the library, leaving the beautiful dry musk behind him once more. "'knowing it would wait for him until sunrise. "'He properly closed the latch on the gate "'and made mental note of it "'so that if he came by again "'he would know if anyone had entered the library. "'He paused for a moment on the warm carpet of the staircase "'to recover his feet from the cold of the stone "'and stood still, "'listening for sounds from the floors below. "'The soft rushing of the air bellowing across some invisible chasm "'and ricocheting off the walls "'created a soft, deep rumble. "'But there was no other sound.' He descended the long flight quickly down the remaining five floors and came to the bottom, the long hallway of the western wing which allowed a view of the dining room a hundred meters of red carpet away. Down here, even this stone rectangular hallway was very spacious and comfortable. The Duke could see into the dining room, where dark wood chairs were tucked neatly in a row under the beautifully carved table, and when he got there the room was clearly empty and clean. The servants had no doubt finished their clean-up quite some time ago and returned to their quarters. Does my voice reach you, my love? His voice echoed for a moment and diminished to nothing. Releasing a sigh, the Duke circumnavigated the dining table to pass through the maw of a stone doorway on the other side to find himself in the front foyer. At the crossroads, he paused to take in his surroundings and feel a cool air whirring about his head. Straight ahead was the hallway a lot like the one he had traveled through to the dining room, long and carpeted down its center. The dwindling torch flames were not sufficient enough to illuminate the staircase at the end, but the Duke knew that only the servants' quarters were hidden behind the shroud. It was not an area of the castle he often visited, but he knew it well from his childhood days when every so often he was left to the care of his nanny. To his right, directly across from the great wood front door, was a third spiral staircase, and tucked behind it, the games room. The lovely dark games room had many other rooms connected to it, used for entertainment and, in the case of the kitchen, practical purposes. The layout of the rooms placed them apart from one another in this central wing in a fork that extended backwards from the front door like a pair of prongs. A bird's eye would have seen the castle as the mouth of a colossal serpent stretched open with its forked tongue extended violently. The central spire that vaulted out of the spiral staircase in the foyer was much thinner than the two in the east and west wings, but it was the highest, a sort of lookout that perpetuated its undying vigil over the vast forests of the region and even beyond, searching relentlessly for nothing and finding it, catching glimpses of spectral wisps dancing through the shifting treetops of the windy woodland ocean. The Duke now turned to the great doors and planted his feet firmly before unlocking one and pushing it open. Perhaps she stepped out to see him to the stables, he thought, his heart filled with hope once again. He stepped out into the night shroud. The Duke clutched his lantern in a vice grip, recalling the stories Mr. Blocher had recounted at dinner. Tales heard secondhand from his niece that told of strangers on the road, corrupt or even wicked men who had lost their way men who at first appeared as fleeting shadows to carriage drivers before vanishing into the trees. In many cases, it would start right away. In others, the carriages would travel unchallenged for a kilometer before something startled the horses. Never were the carriage driver nor the passengers able to see what it was, but the panic in the horse's eyes assured that their sightings were not imagined. The horses would break away from the carriages and run off, scatter, or rear up on their hind legs before falling over into a heap. Then, out of the confusion, a passenger would look up and see a man on the road again, one behind and one on each side, all in long black coats, all with the same black hat. What happened next was up to them. Many carriages were robbed, their passengers stabbed to death. Some went missing entirely, and passengers awoke in their homes the next day, unable to recount how they got there. The Duke's eyes scouted the space before him, peering carefully from the darkened stables to the hazy gravel road that crossed briefly in front of the house to wind on forever through the woods. The ground crunched beneath his feet and he winced in pain when the odd sharp rock caught his foot the wrong way. Even with his home just twelve paces behind him he felt like a sitting duck, out in the open, an easy target for some sick individual's entertainment. A bolt of rage drove into his mind the idea that someone might have captured his woman or be using her to bait him and force his feet forward with protective urgency. His head dirted furiously to watch for any sudden movements in the brush or darkly rubbed figures emerging from the trees. Making it to the stables, he snapped the door quickly open then closed and allowed his eyes to adjust. The air in the stables reverberated upon itself banishing its substance into the sound of a deeper hollow with every passing moment, siphoning its matter into a vortex that existed in all space at once and belched out the dull ring of the darkness itself. The ether was wet in this place, and uncomfortably warm. Are you in here, my love? The Duke choked out. There was a loud bang and the walls rattled. A surge of adrenaline burst down the Duke's bloodways and into his muscles. He jolted around the corner, drawing his small pocket knife to plunge into the throat pulp of his wife's kidnapper. A clueless horse stared back at him in the muffled darkness, blinking dumbly as it offered him a raspberry with its flapping lips. A long, sweeping brush of its tail replicated the bang as it knocked the handle of a broom against the wall. The Duke caught his breath and searched the other stalls, only to find nothing. Anxiety was getting the better of him now, as he wondered if he had been let out here intentionally. He peered out through the crack in the barn, half expecting an eye to be staring right back at him or to see that he was surrounded by darkly robed men, but saw only the same dim hue of his fogged front yard that he had seen from the western wing's spire. The duke stepped cautiously back into the night and allowed his mind to linger in the porch-like gloom before shutting the door. Unsure of where to search next, he panned his head across the yard, scoping out the abnormal among the shades. It was as any other night... All the carriages were gone, and there was no evidence that any had ever been there. A sinking feeling in his gut heralded the perception of his gaze at the forest road beyond the yard. It was impossibly dark, but the Duke could think of nowhere else to look. His steps felt unusually heavy as the gravel crinkled beneath him, and as he neared the mouth of the road, he allowed the darkness to swallow him completely. Face first, born again into the shroud, useless eyes peeled and waiting, He slowly retrieved perception, as though the dull shades were managing with effort to scrape their forms into his nerves. He could feel objects buzzing around him, the dim hum of life in the forest beyond him, and the calm of the road on either side of him. Peering left, he could feel the bareness of the road. The buzzing gradient of the shades revealed nothing but gravel sheathed on either side by a thick wall of foliage. As he turned his head to the right, he could feel that something was wrong, A short ways down the road, there was an anomaly sprawled low in the ash of night. The Duke brushed swiftly but carefully over the crunching stones, stopping periodically to see what he was unable to while moving. The shape had not been an illusion. It was a carriage, sitting sloped with one of its wheels broken. He had seen it on his property earlier. It belonged to one of his guests, but which one he could not recall. What had happened? Had they tried to kidnap her? Was there a struggle and she escaped? The duke clambered down to the door of the carriage and thrust his torso inside. It was even darker in there, but he could tell it was empty as the haze of the outdoors seeped in and bathed the blackness in gray. A sense of panic and fury began to overcome him as he reared out of the lifeless box and stood tall in the air. His heavy breaths flooded the space in front of him and his eyes darted from tree to tree behind him down the road, daring, begging for some physical aggressor to approach him, to try to harm him, that he might lay his hands into their flesh. The moment died slowly, pushed away by the wind in the trees, and he flipped through thoughts rapidly. Which of the servants would have been the last to see her? Which of the servants would still be up at this hour? The lighthouse keeper. The Duke remembered that he had given him nocturnal groundskeeping duties as the small lighthouse and the infrequent passage of boats over the lake did not usually warrant constant vigilance. Moving back down the road with an even swifter step than before and a newfound determination, the Duke was the most dangerous animal in the woods. He cut through the last few trees before his property and held a course for his castle's door. He heaved it open and closed behind him loudly. No one would hear. All were so far away from each other from where they slept in this colossal building. The door of the southern grounds had a terrible which sounded louder than ever when treated with the same efficiency the front had been. The southern grounds housed the gardens, all designed to flow intricately out of the courtyard the Duke found himself standing in now. It was well lit by torches held by gargoyles on the second story which surrounded the courtyard on three sides. The duke was made to pause for a moment, as the gardens were so hauntingly beautiful. Even in the dim light, the carved, angular faces of the statues looked so peaceful behind their ivy wrappings. In the chill of fall, the garden, absent of blooms, still derived its beauty from the intricacy of its vines and twisting shrubs that adorned many of the stone works. Some of the poems that had been carved into slabs of stone had been swallowed by plant life including the second half of the poem that had been carved into his bedroom door. The stone he remembered from childhood was lost in the brush, its location known to only the gargoyles now, but the haunting lines still echoed in his mind. From dawn till diminish, from death until waking, the spring for the fall, the good are forsaken. The Duke pushed out of his inner gloom to remember the problem in hand. One had to be careful passing over the cobblestones, most often eclipsed by ferns, as they were trespassed in places by small thickets of thorns. There was no time now, though, to stop and ponder. The duke pushed past the dead, judgmental gaze of his father's bust and thrust down the winding path which succumbed to the shroud the further it got from the castle. The lake was not far from the southern entrance, and in time the duke had reached the rough wooden door of the small lighthouse. He raised his fist to it and delivered three swift knocks. Shuffling and stumbling sounds from behind the door stopped when a peephole opened. The door rattled open. Is everything all right, sir? The short, stocky man grunted, looking somewhat surprised to see the Duke at this late, windy hour, and in bare feet no less. I have been unable to locate my wife. When was the last time you spoke to her? Oh, well, that's odd. I just saw her an hour ago. Did you? Where? Where? The duke asked hurriedly. Er, she told me not to speak of it, but you being you, I guess I've got to break my promise. She asked me to help carry a large crate up the stairs to your library. Nearly put myself out hauling that thing up those stairs. The duke hesitated, puzzled and intrigued. His mind raced back to his experience in the library just twenty minutes ago. What was in the crate? She wouldn't say. All I know is she promised I'd be killed if I blabbed about it. Oh, This wasn't some kind of test, was it? The lighthouse keeper looked horrified for a moment, wondering if he had walked into a trap. No harm will come to you. You have my word. Thank you for your help. The duke offered a fleeting smile before taking off back to the castle. The winds were picking up again in the treetops of the lower garden, and a rain of leaves sliced down diagonally over the path to hail him. Under this pelting of organic matter, in the darkness, he smiled feeling as though the wind and what now appeared to be the light rain were encouraging him, driving him forward to victory. He galloped into his castle and through the dark hallways up the spiral staircase of the west wing to pause in front of the library gates. He gazed through at the doorway in the flickering torchlight. He checked the latch on the door. It was open again. The Duke smiled and corrected it before continuing upstairs toward the warm glow that now seemed to seep through the walls. The thick wood door was partly open, and a dim light spilled out into the hall. The duke turned off his lantern and entered the room. My love, I've been worried sick. Where have you been? You've stolen my words. I was looking for you. There passed a moment of silence while the duke returned the lantern to the side table and shut the door. The figure across the room from him made his heart quiver upon gazing, her light sky-blue dress fluttering in the breeze from the open window the moon reflecting off her pale skin and hair into his eyes as her hand played nervously with her arm. She took such flowing steps toward him, seeming almost to float over the stone like a ghost, and was barely able to break through his days with her words. I did what you asked me to. The duke wanted to smirk, but a furious excitement got the better of him, and he stepped towards her. I asked nothing of you, my dear, and yet I have done it. She casually brushed off the facade of playfulness that had characterized their conversation the night before. The duke reached his duchess, wrapping his arms around her, clutching a wrist and a hand and resting them just above her tailbone. A big grin tore across his face as he saw that she shared the same crazed look in his eye. They trembled in their embrace and stared into each other's eyes as a second moment of silence passed. Her breaths drew heavier and heavier until she could not resist. Mr. and Mrs. Blocher lie face down in the dungeons, gagged and bound, fingerless and toeless, locked away in the darkness, she hoarsely whispered. His mouth drew agape as though the familiar old idea had become foreign once again. You actually did it? he bellowed as quietly as he could. The beautiful Duchess could only grin and nod vigorously in response. How did you do it? The Duke tightened his embrace just as you suggested i slipped the drug into their meals when i stepped into the kitchen to check on the servants preparing dinner i talked to them the longest after dinner making sure they were the last to leave and that the poison had time to take effect i led them to their carriage drowsy as they were and away down the road thrust a steel bar between the spokes they were passed out in the back i scared the horses and let them run free then came the hardest part I hauled that enormous coffin from behind the stables and placed it just outside the cavern door. I hauled them both into the coffin, first the husband, then his wife, one on top of the other, then sealed the lid. The duke's brow furrowed with concern. You dragged them into the coffin by yourself? He reared back to survey her for harm or injury. Yes, she said proudly. I don't understand. Why didn't you get me? I would have helped. The duke hissed with an upset on behalf of her safety. I wanted to surprise you. I knew last night you were musing when you relayed the plan. I knew you had no intention of actually doing it, but I knew that if you had a chance to subject them to your own justice, without consequence, that you would do it in a heartbeat. She gritted her teeth. And I know how honorable you are. I know that when you go down there tomorrow, you'll show them no mercy and make them pay for their crimes. She took a moment to catch her breath. His, on the other hand, was long lost, so taken by his woman. You give everything to me. Your generosity knows no bounds, and you spare none the blade who show me disrespect. That courier boy who threw a letter at me? The lying whore from the ball in Prussia last winter? The peasant who propositioned me in town? Where are they now? Throats cut, lying in the bottom of that lake. She hissed, pointing out the window. A tree creaked in the wind, and both their heads snapped around in a frenzy to make sure they were not being monitored. Their gazes settled on each other once again, and the trembling woman concluded, I wanted to show you that I can give to you as you give to me. That's all. Their brows, furrowed with concern, met as he kissed her deeply. The tremors in her body were quelled, and she again found herself confidently adrift on her vast intellect. I'm going to close that window, she told him as she began to walk over to it. Anyways, I ran into the lighthouse keeper doing his rounds and asked him to help me move the coffin up the stairs to the library, then sent him on his way so I could drag it through the secret passage into the dungeons from there. And what did you do to them? Ripped off their fingers and toes when they awoke. It was quite noisy. I hope nobody heard. The Duke could only shake his head as their bedroom window came to a close. You are a remarkable woman, he chuckled somewhat nervously. In more ways than one. She smiled and slipped off her gown, beckoning him to the bed as she slipped under the covers. Within a second, he found himself disrobed next to her, guided by what could only have been a primitive reflex. So what do you think you'll do with them tomorrow? Gouge their eyes out? She asked playfully. No, I'm going to wait two days, then cut their tongues and teeth out, perhaps sew their lips together before killing them. Many orphans were displaced because of all the orphanages Mr. Blocher closed down and for nothing more than greed. He needs to feel what it's like to have one's whole world ripped from under their feet with no hope of anyone hearing him. The duke looked over at his duchess. A pleasant smile sat on her face as she snuggled her face against her pillow. And his wife? The same treatment. Why? Surely there are two separate people who think for themselves? The duke raised his eyebrows at her. And what of us? Would you say we're closer to being two distinct entities or one? Her little smile flattened out and then perked up again. We'll cut both tongues from the beast then. The duke mirrored the smile of his giddy, wriggling love, the only thing truly worthy of preserving in that rotten world. Enough about that. Let's get some rest. A soft coo flooded the air and the woman became like fluid, collapsing into every dent and ridge on the surface of his body. She wrapped the blanket snugly around them and took him in her arms forcing a surge of warmth into him from every direction, and he shuddered against her to accept all of it. A soft thread of moonlight struck her pale eye, setting it incandescently aflame. Her gaze was fiercely loving and unapologetically, violently protective. "'May no harm ever come to this man,' she pleaded, staring beyond his eyes into the heavens. The duke clutched his duchess's little frame tightly, so ready to slay all that brought her harm." In the crucible of night, face to face, they melded to become each other's god. As the furious wind battered the woods, the castle stood steadfast. In its western spire, a man allowed his consciousness to fall away behind a curtain of kisses.